Hello and welcome to the Talking City podcast, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. And I think for the first time in forever, this is coming to you in person. We're, we're here in the uh, MEN offices. My name's Joe Bray, Simon Bykowski. It's, uh, it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have seen each other a lot at games, but yeah, this kind of used to be the place where we'd sort of doss about and take a break from doing work, whereas now we actually have to physically make an effort to come here. Sign of the times, you see, podcast is... Uh, the new, the new thing, but there we are. I can't mute you when you give a... You can't, no, no. But I, I, I also, um, the podcast, we get like such nice feedback on the podcast. I would say more than anything I write, like, well, usually you look at the comments and it's just like a cesspit, whereas the podcast, people actually come up to you and say, oh, I enjoy the podcast. So so maybe this is where our future's really lie. Yeah, now, now we're in person. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah, taking a step up. A new level. Well, uh, we've got a new season to discuss, and uh, the end of a pre-season tour which had its ups and downs. And City were playing Atletico Madrid on Sunday. We thought it might not have gone ahead. I had a few flashbacks to Green Bay last year, where we arrived and it was rained off almost for a couple of hours. But uh, we did get a game. City were okay for sixty minutes, a fairly strong team, and then wholesale changes, and it sort of fell apart. What did you make of of the Atletico game? Yeah, it was it was an interesting game in the sense that it was pretty kind of full-blooded. Um, I think once you saw the pitch and the rain and it is still pre-season, you thought, well, maybe this won't be much of a spectacle for for the fans. Um, but it was, and it was proper like Man City and Atletico, who, you know, we all remember from that Champions League game, just uh, fought with everything they could. Um, and they went at it again. And, and City kind of had to be had to be up for that really because um, Yokohama and Bayern had tested them in the previous two games but but not on that kind of physical level um, with the aggression and intensity. I know Barcelona played Arsenal uh, in the States and Xavi was moaning afterwards about how intense Arsenal were uh, sort of too much for a friendly he said and you know it, it wasn't over the line between City and Atletico but it was probably approaching the line at times uh, kind of Jack Grealish in for in for a few tackles uh, and Azpilicueta sort of taken to life in an Atletico shirt very very easily so um, yeah it was it was a good test um, I think Guardiola had said Previously, that you know, we all know that these tours aren't for football; they're more commercial. But f- if you can, as far as you can control the football side, it was it, it was a decent effort. I thought. Yeah, and I, I mean, the fact that Aspilicueta went in on Grealish twice in the first three minutes and got a telling off was <laughs> a sign of things to come, wasn't it? And yeah, the the two teams have history and any doubts that they might have put that to one side for Finley was parked in that first three minutes, wasn't it? And Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's kind of what they need sometimes. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. like um, So obviously Yokohama were kind of the weakest team on paper out of the three, but were by far the fittest. So that was a test. And then Bayern, we sort of know what, what Bayern are, are capable of, but they kind of just arrived in, in Tokyo. I think it was Atletico's second game, but... Um, but they looked really sharp and really on it. And um, yeah, it was, uh, I think it's been a decent pre-season. And a lot of the times we've sat here at the start of a year and said it hasn't been a good pre-season for City. So um, they've obviously still got the Community Shield to come if you, how, how do you class the Community Shield? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so far it's been 
okay. I think it's the first tour, probably since the last time they were in Japan, where they've had a fully fit squad, apart from De Bruyne, and a good amount of games, and not much has gone wrong. Mm. So in the past, they've either had COVID or tournaments and or no friendlies at all between the, I think, 2020 and 21 seasons. Yeah. So it's probably good for Guardiola to get a look at those players, and most got 45 minutes. Now we're hearing from Rich in Japan that it was absolutely stifling hot and how could you play more than 45 minutes and then he gets to Seoul and it's even hotter Yeah, and then there's the downpour so there were, it wasn't perfect there were sort of weather conditions that might have hampered what Guardiola wanted to do but all in all it was probably a, a good couple of weeks yeah I was out in Japan and China and Hong Kong in 2019 the last time City were that way and it was a disaster it was a disaster from start to finish they turned up late and it got worse and worse from there and that was kind of the last time they had kind of this full group and yeah. full squad of players and you just thought they don't they don't look like they're on it and you thought they're really lacking in defence and stability and then the season started and they Liverpool were amazing but they couldn't keep up with them and uh, and it was a real drop off whereas this time like you say there have been fewer kind of Issues with the tour to deal with, yeah, it's not been great to deal with the heat. Um, but, you know, there haven't been any riots or there haven't been any sort of planes not taking off or anything like that. Um, and, yeah, they've played three decent games against decent opposition. They've scored some good goals. The goals they've conceded haven't been, uh, you know, too worrying or concerning or sort of any any patterns that you're spotting that you're thinking that doesn't look great so yeah it, it it's pretty positive it just doesn't feel as positive because everyone's kind of thinking why haven't they signed Guardiola yet why haven't they signed eight other players and everyone else is signing players and you're sort of like yeah but there is it's still in a bit of flux but it's been broadly positive I would yeah. say I think considering that your captain's gone Riyad Mahrez didn't go on tour, which could have derailed it a little bit. Yeah, You've got a few players who may or may not be there come the start of the season or certainly the end of the transfer window. It all went fairly smoothly. I think Matteo Kovacic settled in pretty well and that midfield didn't look like one in transition anymore. It didn't look like a side lacking a right winger with the absence of, of Riyad Mahrez. You had a few young players. I thought Oscar Bob was good. James McAtee. Built, sort of picked up where he left off at, at Sheffield United and all in all I think Guardiola will have found out what he wanted to for a lot of those players even if some of those players might not have done particularly what he wanted to but uh, yeah I think and did anyone stand out on tour? Did, did anyone do something unexpected for example? No <laughs> and I think that is why we kind of look at this tour and aren't quite sure how to so what to make of it usually you get like a standout performer who's like amazing um and I don't really think there was what maybe Rodri in the sense that Rodri kind of just looks like he does um every time you see him I thought Kovacic was very good and settled in and looked kind of ready and Bernardo Silva as well um looks like kind of if he stays he could start the season really really well um but I mean, partly there wasn't a standout because we all know so much from this group of players and it wasn't that bigger group who went. Um, you know, McAtee and Bob were the only two youngsters really who who travelled Palmer. Um, 
and just because of the nature of the tour getting kind of harder as it went along with the fixtures, kind of the young players looked best in the first game. Um, you know, I thought McAtee playing in kind of a, not the midfield you would see, um, did best in the first game. He scored in the second game, but as he said, he didn't influence the game as he would have liked. Um, and then, yeah, he didn't get as much in the in the third game. I think the the big positives I thought from McAtee and Bob were their post-match interviews. Um, you know, Oscar Bob looked really good in the first game against Yokohama. Kind of that Riyad Mahrez role, which it does him no favours to compare him to Riyad Mahrez. And he, he is not the replacement for Riyad Mahrez. So he shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be asking a 20-year-old to step into someone as, as decorated and experienced and quality as, as Mahrez is and was for City. So, um, but he did really well, but then he came out at the end of the game and he was like, no, I wasn't happy with my performance. And McAtee said similar after the second game. And that that is exactly the attitude that will delight Pep and the first team coaches because they're not looking for kind of kids who think they've made it. They're looking for people who are looking to improve every day. Yeah, I... I think Oscar Bob was interesting because he's played a lot centrally for the for the youth team with sort of Borges and Mabude on either side scoring all those goals and getting all the assists. And Bob's sort of, not quietly because he scored goals and he's got the player of the year, but he's been the one who sort of kept it all together and allowed those players to to shine. And then suddenly his possible route to the first team is on, on that right wing now. So that could be an interesting movement for him. Yeah, you've obviously watched the youth team a lot more than I have but it was a bit more um, kind of Sterling and Sane wasn't it with yeah. Borges and Mabude on yes. the wings and but Bob was kind of like the the guy who made everything tick wasn't yeah. he? Yeah he was, he was sort of the one who would conduct it if you like and, and free them and then pop up in the area and get a few very good goals but it would be the fact that you've got uh, Borges who scored was it 29 goals from the left wing yeah. that tells you quite a lot of what you need to know about that that youth team so if Oscar Bob is the one that it steps up from that team obviously a few of them have gone a few of them will go if Bob is the one that steps up he probably knows that that central role isn't there in the first team for City so the wing yeah. might be that role but Cole Palmer might look at that that right wing as well and if McAtee's going to play a bit more in the first team if he stays it's probably going to be out wide rather than in the centre do you reckon that's fair for how those youth team players fit in? I think so. I think McAtee is viewed as more of a central player. Um, so I think if his minutes come, they will come in the middle. And I think obviously he did really well at Sheffield United last year. And I thought he acquitted himself pretty well on tour. Bearing in mind, he was never really playing in like the first team midfield. It wasn't like two first teamers and him. It was often like Phillips and Kovacic settling in or, you know, that kind of... Um, Role. I think if they can convince McAtee that he will get enough minutes, um, I think he can be an option in the middle. But equally, having had that success with Sheffield United and Sheffield United and others are um, very, very keen on him playing, having had that first team football, I think if he if there's not much chance of him getting it at City, then um, he might go out on loan. Um, but City have already kind of knocked back serious interest in him so it will be kind of this last month of the transfer window where they work out what what they want and normally from City you get set ideas of what they want and 
this time it's kind of a bit like, oh, we're not really sure whether we're on a winger or inside or or whatever. And that remains to be seen. But yeah, it is really interesting that Bob kind of was more central, but will be a bit more out wide. I seem to think he was kind of Mr. Key Passes, wasn't he? He was like, no one else made more key passes in Premier League two and the um not just assists but like pre assists he was yeah. really really good at. Um but he is a bit like Palmer in having that sort of versatility to play across um those forward roles. And then yeah Palmer is interesting because he was expected to go out on loan and there is a lot of interest in him. However, City were not expecting to lose Riyad Mahrez and Palmer's probably the the most like Mares, Palmer is the one who loves that right wing. That's his. That's his spot. He he sort of has barely played in it for City because he is so versatile and he and he's not had a spot nailed. But um, he loves that right wing and he's got kind of the most similarities to Mares. Um, but he was expected to go out on loan and play every week. So whether staying at City and not playing every week but still having a much bigger role than last year um, is the plan there's just there's a lot still to be worked out but to answer your question in a very long-winded way I would kind of think McAtee Central and yeah Bob and Palmer on that right wing if if those three are to stay I feel like it's a big season for Palmer because last year probably didn't go as well as he hoped he showed what he can do in those final two or three games after the title was won in the Premier League. I remember watching him for the U team and he'd always come in off that right and probably find the top corner. And he showed that in the in the Euros for the England under-21s as well when he got the chance. So if he can get some minutes off that right, I think it could be good for him. But I also think after last season, he just needs to play. I feel like a loan might be better for him. But yeah. it's finding the right club, isn't it? It's not yeah, It's not as simple as saying, yeah. oh, go out on loan and play. Yeah, but also there seems to be kind of like a, I don't know how to, how to say this, but like a disintegration of um, Guardiola's sort of plans. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, that's, I'll try and explain that. <laughs> but, you know, say you'd sort of think uh, in youth games, you can kind of play anywhere and if you're good enough, you'll influence yeah. the play. Um, whereas... Guardiola football, everyone stays in their set positions and knows exactly what to do when and where and when to pass the ball. But we've kind of seen on tour, like Foden playing on the right wing, but not really, and Bernardo playing on the right wing and not really, and all these players kind of shifting. And there is like still a string and a line of City forwards that will get you at some point, but you're no longer sure where those fixed positions are going to be as much as I think maybe... Like not very long ago, so it'd be interesting to see if that sticks because then, yeah, there's there's kind of more fluidity than than ever. There's a lot of uncertainty around who plays where and whatever, yeah. but that also is fluidity and uncertainty for you is also uncertainty for your opponents. Yeah. Well, a lot of the preseason games, I was thinking about who's playing where. Is anyone playing in a different position? And a lot of the time, it was sometimes a back two, a back three, a back four, and like you say, with the attack. The sometimes yeah. definite wingers and sometimes actually no wingers at all and yeah. you had Alvarez and Haaland playing next to each other sometimes and then yeah. not next to each other at all and it was yeah that fluidity could be and you had like Foden who's you know could play more centrally this season like kind of slotting into that Gundogan like left left central high up um, and then the last game he was kind of right wing yeah. 
not right wing. So um, we've not spoken about Rico Lewis. Well, that was my next question. Go on. Because <laughs> I, I was going to move into Rico Lewis by saying that we were expecting John Stones to play a lot yeah. of midfield in this tournament. Yeah. He, he did and he didn't, especially against Atletico, who's more of his usual defensive role, just because of how the, the yeah. team and the formation were working. But yeah. we did see against Bayern, Rico Lewis step into midfield and turn into a box-to-box midfielder. And I mean, he played left-back, right-back, number eight. Yeah. That was a bit of a different role because we've seen him moving into midfield from full-back. We've not so much seen him start in midfield and burst into the box. You know, about five minutes ago when you said, was there any standouts? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long old time, but Rico Lewis, yeah, was um, just continues to do things that you don't expect. And he's kind of played in that midfield role like before in the academy and um, also for City, Guardiola was after Bournemouth away when he played him as an eight and sort of said, no, it wasn't Bournemouth away, it was another game, but sort of said, oh yeah, he can play eight. And we all kind of said, oh, all right. In in the way that we did when he was like, oh, Gundogan can play false nine. And we were like, okay, then. And then they won the league with Gundogan as false nine. And um, yeah, Lewis is just a player with unbelievable potential and skill set and talent. And seeing him playing as an eight against Bayern and kind of running onto those balls from Bernardo and Walker in that kind of inside right channel was really, really, really good. Um, you know, he the best compliment I could have given him before the tour is that he's like a mini Stones because he, he obviously taught Stones how to play that yeah. mid or helped Stones to get that midfield role. But he kind of like, there was like, even more to him than than that. Um, you know, Marty Perrinow, who wrote the book on Pep Confidential, Bayern sort of compared Lewis to, to Philip Lahm mm-hmm. playing in that yeah. eight role, making those runs. And you, you can you can kind of see it. Um, so I think Lewis is someone who, you know, you probably started speaking about him a bit after the last year's tour. Just like, oh, he was a bit of a, you know. Well, he sort of just popped up and then he hit the post against Bayern and you think yeah. he was one of the better youngsters and that was sort of it. Yeah. If anything, Josh Wilson Esban was a better performer yeah. last year and then Lewis is the one who grows into the first team and plays such a key role. Yeah, whereas now you cannot imagine the squad for this season without Lewis. Um, I just think he will go from strength to strength and it probably won't and shouldn't be long before we're talking about him in an England frame. Because he is that good. Which feels like an outrageous thing to say, but it's not yeah. because of just how good he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you want to have a look at sort of players for upcoming tournaments, take a look at this kid because the progress he's made in in that in such a short space of time. And just every time you see him, he looks better and better. Um, so, yeah, he was he was very impressive. And he, he doesn't put these performances in against lower sides yeah. he did that against Bayern Munich yes it was a friendly but yeah. Bayern Munich and he, yeah. he was okay against Atletico in a much changed side after the all the substitutions but even last season he was playing against Chelsea Liverpool Tottenham Arsenal yeah I think away at Ellen Road his first Premier League game was Leeds away yeah. and it was like yeah he's got the trust of his managers to play wherever whenever um, and yeah I think we'll see a lot of him this season I do wonder if it'll be a bit like Foden because Foden was always earmarked for midfield and for a while Guardiola said he needs to learn that position so we'll play him in attack where he can influence it. I wonder if to to sort of mould Lewis into a right back 
he could play more in midfield, which has a bit more attacking freedom in certain games where he's allowed to run into those channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or if he might play centrally and Foden wide. Yeah. Foden ever ever the wingman. Um, but yeah, it, it, he is kind of very, very talented and in that kind of Foden bracket from the from the academy who have done He did play eight really in that well. Bournemouth game. I think it was another game, but I think I asked Guardiola like, is that a position he can play in? And he basically shot me down and said, oh, he's played there before and we know he can play there and <laughs> as Guardiola does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's clearly a position that they're not afraid to use him in. No, no, no. And like you say, against big opponents. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a certainly one to watch, as they say. And we'll forget that Memphis Depay skipped past him and found the... Uh, yeah, found the well, I don't think it was fully Lewis's... Uh, I think there were more players more at fault for that goal. Yeah, let's focus on Bayern rather than let's go for Lewis. Uh, we'll leave it there. We'll come back after a short break for uh, another look at how City are shaping up before the uh, new season. Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We've analysed the uh, pre-season tour, the uh, defeats off Atletico Madrid, and now we're going to look forward to the new season. Now, City have a fairly similar squad to the one that uh, finished the season and won the treble. They are missing one player, that's Riyad Mahrez, who's made a £30 million move to uh, Al Ali in Saudi Arabia. He didn't travel on tour, so we've had a little bit of time to get used to life without him. But, Sai, what, what sort of legacy does Mahrez leave? Enormous, really. Um, you know, one of the few kind of players to come to City as a Premier League title winner, um, having had that phenomenal success with Leicester. Um, and he came in 2018 and City just got um, 100 points. And the question was, you know, how can you improve this team? And he, he wasn't a... Um, conventional at the time kind of City player you thought because then they had Sterling and Sane on the wings and it was like how does Mahrez fit in and you know as Mahrez has stayed City have kind of transformed their their wings to to be now as they have been with Mahrez and Grealish those kind of more possession based um, wingers but he's always had a a brilliant first touch uh, eye for goal his fighting mentality was kind of clear from the off um and Guardiola kind of loved the fact that he was up for every big game and he wanted to take penalties and he wanted responsibility. You know, he he missed that um, penalty against Liverpool at Anfield that, um, you know, was could have been significant but ended up kind of not being in the in the grand scheme of things in the in the title race. But that didn't put him off wanting to take penalties. I think last season he missed two in a week and then Guardiola even said, oh yeah, he'll, he'll stop taking penalties now. But he didn't. He stepped up. He was ready to go again and again and again. And he, yeah, he loved playing and he hated not being in the team. And ultimately he wasn't in the team for kind of the final months of the season really because uh, Bernardo Silva made that right wing spot his own. So he got um, an offer to join Al Ali and took it. Um you know, a new a new chapter there and a, and a big name for an emerging league that we wait and see what what that does. Um, but, you know, his contribution to City was immense and his contributions kind of as an Algerian footballer, as an African footballer, 
will be remembered for a very long time, I think. Yeah, I think he'll, in, in the Premier League as a whole, like you say, with what he did with Leicester, he is sort of an iconic player to come from a, was it French second division and yeah. help us to get promoted and help them win the league and then go and win the Premier League four times with, with City. I don't think anyone's won the Premier League more times with more than one club than than Mahrez with his five, yeah, which yeah. is pretty impressive considering that not many people do win it with, with more than one club. And No, exactly. And, um, you know, it was Mahrez and Kante, wasn't it, in that Leicester team? Yeah. And, and enough has been said about Kante, who is himself a... A brilliant footballer, yeah. but you know, Maris should be right up there alongside Kante because he's he's done a lot and he's achieved a lot and he's won a lot because he's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And I think it's a good fee for City considering yes, he had two years left, but he's thirty two. He he was gonna miss a month of the season for the African Cup of Nations to get half of your money back for a player who's helped you in, was it? I can't remember. All these players leaving, I've, I've been counting up the trophies. I can't remember whether it was 10 or 14 trophies, but it's a lot of yeah. a lot of silverware. He helped them get to the first Champions League final, which arguably they couldn't get to the second one without having done it the first time. Yeah. He scored big goals. Yeah, yeah, big goals. He was really pivotal in that 2021 Champions League run to the final. Um, and yeah, loved her. Loved a big game um, and loved winning trophies. So he he will be missed and he was kind of a very specific player in the team. And like I say, maybe you get a bit more unmoored from sort of what you would expect to see on the right mm-hmm. if with Mahrez gone. But we, we wait and see. But yeah, I don't think City were planning to be without him. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what they do. Uh, either bringing someone else in or or sticking with what, what they've got with the sort of options we've already discussed. I think it equally makes sense to take that offer, which was very good money, and let him go. And also, yeah. they will they will miss him. And he wanted to go. Yeah. That's the, that's the, it's kind of like the textbook city. If a good offer comes in for a player, we will let them leave. Um, and like you say, that is a very good offer. Um, and they can get by without him they think I think Guardiola said something when he was sort of paying tribute to Mahrez and he said he can play every two or three days and that was one of the things that Mahrez had had over other players is that he always wanted to play and he he was one of the few you could say who were able to play three or four times a week which could be something that maybe they they need later on in the season well yeah especially if you have kind of if you don't bring anyone else in for him or even if you do um, that ability to play every few days is um, is very very underrated. Um, and I mean, De Bruyne can has done it before, but just like in the the way that they speak to you, and you speak to De Bruyne after a game, and he's always like knackered, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, there's too many games." Or, or you speak to Maris, and he's like, "It's football." Yeah. Like, yeah, of course we can play every few days because that's just what we do. And uh, and yeah, and you know, sim- he's a similar age to to Kyle Walker, who can also um, play every few days because of his his fitness. So you know, really useful to have these guys in your squad who you know you can turn to whenever, um, and they will they will perform. So yeah, he's a big miss. That is a lovely way to move on to Kyle Walker, who uh, started all three games on tour. There is still the uncertainty of his future Guardiola admitted before the Bayern Munich game that the clubs are in talks and he could leave and it was 
helpful or unhelpful that they played Bayern <laughs> at the time and the, you could see the players in the tunnel were very aware that Walker was captain in City when he could be playing the season with Bayern but City made a point of making him captain for those games because he is part of that captain's group they started him he played a key role there was no real sign of those inverted right backs which ended the season was that a ploy from City to try and get Walker to stay? I don't think it was kind of as as blatant as you could paint it. Yeah. Um, you know, like you say, he's part of the captaincy group, so it would make sense that he took the armband. But, you know, there has been a very strong effort from City to make the point to Walker that he is really important and will be really important to them. And that has been, you know, laid out in the contract that's been offered to him that is very um, generous and, you know, not just in terms of money, but also the um, offering him an extra year as well, which they don't always do for players in that age bracket. You know, they didn't for Gundogan for a long time, which allowed kind of Barcelona to fully convince him to to join them. Um, And it has been enough for Walker to stop and think, what do I want to do? Um, City will count it as a victory that he's come home on the plane with them because it would have made sense if he wanted to go to Bayern to sort of play against them in Tokyo and then stay stay with them. Um, So the fact that they haven't means that, like we say, City always let a player go if they get a good enough offer. They can't have received a good enough offer from, uh, from Bayern who are also obviously trying to buy Harry Kane who will not be cheap. So, you know, Bayern don't usually like spending huge amounts of money. Will they want a a big outlay on Walker as well as a big outlay on Kane? Mm-hmm. We we wait and see. But, you know, the, there is still the chance that Walker leaves. And if Walker leaves, it is an even bigger hole than Mara's probably. Um, but maybe with kind of Mara's going, that maybe helps Walker's cause or help City's cause for Walker because you know that Atletico game the only person getting forward up that right channel was Walker um, and he can do that better than Stones can or Akanji can um, or you know there's there's Lewis as well but yeah I, I think it's positive that Walker is still with the squad because I think very early in the summer it kind of looked like he was off to Bayern so he still could go but it's, like I say, encouraging for from a City point of view that he is still still there. And, you know, we talk about Mara's winning things. Walker is someone who, who loves to win things. He was joking, wasn't he, about lifting the silverware after the friendly. And, you know, there's a there's a game coming up this week with a trophy in it, yeah. which he might like to stick around for. And if Bernardo is the one who will take over Mara's spot on the right, then he likes to come inside even more than, than Mara's did that gives Walker more space to get up and down that wing and as you say no one else can do that so Walker might see a bit more of a future in at yeah. least for the next year or so yeah yeah if Bernardo <laughs> <laughs> again moving on nicely to another question where do we stand on on transfers you've touched on it a little bit with Walker with uh, Bernardo a little bit where is kind of Walker as a clear buyer Bernardo does not mm-hmm. um, I read some reports that PSG had done everything to sign him, including going up to 60 million euros, which is where well, you've not done anywhere near anything then, have you? Because his his price tag is well, yeah. 
well north of 60 million euros. Um, so it feels like um, he... It doesn't feel like there's a buyer for him. Um, Barcelona, obviously, love him to bits, but don't like spending any money. Um, if PSG are out, um, there's obviously Saudi Arabia, which was mentioned earlier in the summer, but there's kind of the lack of progress on that would kind of indicate that not all is is well there. You feel like Bernardo is not a player to move there yet? He's yeah. still got a point to prove on, on the biggest stage in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and also he does look kind of very happy in the City team and the City setup. and it's not really an indicator of whether he would leave or not. But, um, you know, he was still doing a lot of commercial activities for City on the tour. He was still doing media with kind of club media um, and laughing and joking. And that isn't to say that he wouldn't leave, but, you know... Some players, when they're at in the situation that Bernardo Silva is in, would not want to be as accommodating and kind of committed almost to, to the club that they're at. Um, so again, City can only kind of take it as encouragement that he's still still around and still um, still performing at the at the level that he is really. But that's what he's always done, isn't it? He's, he's had this stance that he would like to leave Manchester for a while. Yeah. But he's, when he's playing for City in the season, yeah, he's a 100%. He has, although I think there have been some seasons where he's kind of been left out of the team while the transfer window's yeah. been open. Um, and then kind of found his, his form after that. But it, like I said, as he's playing at the minute, you would think, well, he goes straight in the team because he's... Yeah. He looks really good um, with his new haircut. Maybe that's maybe that's the the trick for him. But but yeah, it, it's one of those where again you can't say definitively staying, and he falls into that bracket where if they get a good enough offer, they will consider it. But also, you kind of consider last year PSG came in with a good offer last year, but it was too late in the window. So City are already kind of mulling over: do we bring anyone else in to replace Mares? I think if Bernardo went, it would be like they. They wouldn't let Bernardo go without knowing that they could get exactly who they wanted, which is not easy in this market. And finding someone who can even think about replacing Bernardo is not yeah. going to be easy. Um, two more names quickly. Cancelo and yeah. Laporte both played a fair bit in pre-season. Laporte scored against Bayern. Cancelo was given a run out on both sides. Yeah. But you still don't get the sense that they're fully a part of the plans. They, they weren't first choice, let's say. Yeah, I think no one at City would kind of mind at all if Laporte stayed, even if Gradiol comes, which is expected still, but hasn't happened yet and he isn't on that jet plane. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he is a, a really good player and a good option. I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been more interest in him yeah. just because, like, he is a, a really, really good player. Um, and, yeah, as it stands, there doesn't seem to be a a buyer for him yet but there's a long time to go in the window so a long time for that to to happen and also if and when Guardiola does come Laporte may say right that is now my time to push more for a move because these guys have also been at City long enough that they know that opportunities aren't far away and like Laporte was like number one centre-back the season before last you know almost 12-14 months ago he was number one 
and now he's what number five number six so it can change both ways so he could push himself up again um but if Radiol comes that might be the sign that he's like right I, I don't want that competition when I can get a better move elsewhere um Cancelo still not looking like staying um just things ended so badly in January that it would be a real surprise if he if he stayed um however if Walker leaves to get rid of Cancelo as well is is bold but they were bold in January and they won the treble and they won the treble without really playing a right back for a lot of those games so yeah 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 well they won the Champions League final without Walker or Cancelo didn't they yeah I thought it was interesting that Laporte played against Atletico with Ake injured or not risked rather than Akanje or Lewis so there could be a route there but as you say with another left-footed centre-back potentially coming in yeah and also you sort of have to remember on tour um, the games are used on the Community Shield to say this is our player he's available see what you make of him he's quite good isn't he do you want to pay this Um, so yeah it's not they're not bad those reminders to the market that um, those players are are available and I think all of those players will be will have the Euros in mind in, in the summer with with their national yeah. team places to yeah, to yeah, win. But, like Laporte has competition with Spain, Cancelo has competition at Yeah, yeah. But I mean, consider Cancelo as well, um, just to sort of take on his situation. He left kind of City in January after falling out with the um, the manager. Were City not to take him on tour or to make a point of not playing him on tour, you still might get offers for him. But would those clubs be as interested if they think, well, this is a guy that City don't want even to take on tour, that City refuse to play? Why would we want to sign him or have him play for us if if those people that have won everything don't want him and really specifically don't want him? So so I thought it was quite... um, sensible from City really to, to treat Cancelo as they have and you probably keep your asking price yeah high yeah. if you're playing him because you say look how good he was against Bayern he did some yeah. you know trademark runs or whatever well uh, we will leave part two there for uh, a look on the squad and look ahead to the first game of the season or the last friendly depending how you how you look on it which is the Community Shield against Arsenal Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast, part three of uh, our look at the pre-season tour and ahead to the Community Shield. Before we get on to that Community Shield, Simon, you've written about Erling Haaland's glasses. Yes, yeah, always on the top of what everyone wants to hear about. Um, no, so Erling Haaland does many, many things to help his performance. And one of the things he does is wear kind of special glasses at night that block out the harmful blue lights that you get from kind of screens um which uh basically we all do it but you know you look at your phone and you watch telly at night and it doesn't necessarily help you sleep because um it kind of stops the the body's natural body clock um from kind of producing hormones which help you help you sleep so there's basically some uh guy from Philadelphia who uh, did loads of research into this 
during his teenage years and then started a business with these glasses at 18 and then bumped into Erling Haaland in Mulder um, when Haaland was playing and they chatted and Haaland was like, oh yeah, that sounds really interesting. And so Haaland's used them since then. And it's not just about the glasses, you know, you're meant to sort of like use the natural sun in the morning and the night and everything else. But Haaland used these glasses and basically as Haaland has used these glasses and got more successful, more people have tried to copy everything he's done. Um, And there was kind of so much interest from uh, his city teammates when he came that he was like, you know what, you can all have these glasses um, so I don't know how much everyone's been wearing them, but Grealish certainly has been using them on tour because they help to kind of negate the effects of jet lag um, and help sleep. So, you know, it, Harlan says it helps helps him by like a few percentages. So if it helps Harlan by a few percentages, then it might help others by a few percentages. Um, so Grealish and a few others in City are, are giving it a go. And and also beyond City, um, basically this company, like whenever Haaland posts with these glasses, there are more and more professional players and professional clubs who are seeing them and going, oh right, we need to do, we need to look into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be something that grows in the game, or it might not. But Haaland uses it, so that's interesting that other players are looking to Haaland for, yeah, for those examples. Yeah. I mean you look at his record and you want to do anything you can to... Well, exactly, yeah. I kind of wrote in the piece, like, you know, not everyone's eating awful yet, but, like, the more things that... The better Haaland is, you sort of think, well, what is he doing that I could replicate? And, yeah, a lot of people are doing it. Cements a little bit with Grealish, the idea that, yes, he goes and enjoys himself in the summer, but he is also a very, very serious athlete as well. Yeah. Looking for those gains. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he... Because obviously he did... um, we saw a lot of pictures of him partying, but he also, his Instagram was pretty busy this summer on it with um, extra fitness and training and um, obviously helps that he's such good mates with Haaland, but but also they are very different people. But yeah, Grealish is gone. Yeah, I'll have them as well. And the um, the guy that I um, spoke to who owns this this company, um, Ra Optics, if anyone's interested, um, said that like he didn't invent the science, but he likes to think that he invents the uh, the coolness of the glasses because they because they block certain lights. They have to be uh, well, the darkest ones are red, but they've also got yellow. Um, but he was like, I'd like to think that I made them slightly cool because when I was kind of growing up, I wanted to wear these glasses, but they only had thick red frames, and I looked totally ridiculous. So um, you know. They must be. They must look all right if Grealish is wearing them. Well, I went to pick up some sunglasses the other day, and they came out purple. So <laughs> I had to send those back. So I might have. But, a- that, but that's it. Coloured lenses are a lot more in fashion now. I didn't pick them up. I, uh, <laughs> I got them changed. Uh, Grealish and Haaland are probably nailed on to start the Community Shield. Do we think it's going to be a similar lineup to the one that started against Atletico? Any changes? Do you reckon? I would think it would be kind of a similar lineup to the one that was last at Wembley. You know, and this is the thing about like the city squad. They've not really signed anyone else, but they've they've lost they've lost Mares, but Mares wasn't getting in the team towards the end of the season. They've lost Gundogan, but you know, if you add Phil Foden in or Matteo Kovacic in, looks a pretty good team. Looks like the team that won the treble. So um, I would expect a similar team to to that because City want to win it, don't they? City like really really want to win it so they can 
win trophy number four for the year and uh, and also kind of set a mark against Arsenal because Arsenal, really good last year, have strengthened a lot yeah. this summer, beat City to Declan Rice. Um, but 100 million plus for Declan Rice's expectations on him. All eyes will be on him as he steps up from West Ham. What can he do against the champions at Wembley? Um, you know, Arsenal will really want to make a point and City will be as motivated. I think it's going to be one of those games, we've mentioned it before, a little bit like the FA Cup last year, where if you win, great. If you don't, it's not the end of the world. But City used that FA Cup win over Arsenal to put down a mark and say, we can beat you. And next time we play you, we're going to beat you. And especially with all those turnover in, in squad in Arsenal that you mentioned, I think that could be quite a useful win for City if they can get it over the line. I think Jack really said on tour, didn't he, that he really wants to win the Community Shield because he's lost two in a row. Yeah, and yes, it's only the Community Shield. And there is the argument that it's because City won the league and the cup, why are Arsenal even there? They yeah. will feel like they are the rightful winners of it, but they've still got to go out and do it, haven't they? And I think it could be a, a quite important mental win if they can get it over the line. Eric Ten Hag was speaking um, on United's tour and he was asked, you know, can you challenge for the the title? And mm. and he said, the only team that can challenge for the... Who can say they're challenging for the title is City at yeah. the moment. Um, and of course, with the money spent, Chelsea, Arsenal, United... Liverpool certainly if they sign another midfielder have to challenge City for the title but but Ten Hag is kind of right in that you know City is still the team that everyone looks to mm-hmm. and if City lose the Community Shield they can brush it off because they've won five league titles out of six and everyone knows that defeats like that don't bother them if Arsenal lose the Community Shield everyone will say City is still the team to beat City are unbeatable how do we bridge this gap and we'll kind of like add to City's reputation um, when they go into games kind of even before a ball has been kicked. So City will really want to win it um, to kind of motivate themselves and say, yes, we can go again. But if they don't win it, I think they'll be... They, really, she'll be unhappy. But, um, you know, Guardiola said they won't be at full fitness. They won't be near full fitness coming into this game. So... You have to kind of excuse that. We were at um, Leicester, weren't we, for the community shield last year. Liverpool were fitter than City and that really made a difference um, in that game and and Liverpool won. So Arsenal have had a lot more pre-season fri- fixtures. There's a good chance they're fitter enough for that to make a difference at Wembley. Um, but City will look to use their other skills um, to bridge that gap. And I think around the Premier League, Arsenal are the ones that you look at who have strengthened the most and in key areas. So they needed a second striker. They've got that. Whether you think Kai Havertz is good enough or not, they've yeah. added that other body, that depth. They've got Declan Rice, who should be a very good signing. I can't, I'm not looking at United or Liverpool or Chelsea and seeing a team who are significantly better than they were last year. But at the same time, like you say, we went to Leicester last year, Liverpool were probably the better side. Haaland missed an open goal. Darwin Nunes was the best thing since sliced bread and everyone was saying, oh, Liverpool are going to win the league. I, I think, you know, if you listen to certain um, misguided people, then Saliba getting injured was the only reason Arsenal didn't win the league. Um, obviously, squad depth was an issue for Arsenal and they've addressed that by spending over 200 million and getting 
good players in, which have made sort of a good team into a really good squad. Um, now, I, see, I, I'll get accused of being a United fan, but I think the potential is there for United. Like, they've spent enough money, so they should be there. But, like, De Gea was always an issue for them. How many derbies have we watched where City have just gone, yeah, we're just going to press the goalie because he can't kick? Um, and it's worked for them. And then FA Cup final, um, you know, even his shot stopping kind of left him and uh, Gundogan scored those two. So I think United have United have spent a lot of money and there's a lot of pressure on this new forward coming in. But they have also made key um, signings a bit like Arsenal um, that they you know that there's a chance that they they challenge and Liverpool as well if they, if they sign a holding midfielder I think because I think that's still kind of a an issue for them but if they you know say they get Romeo Lavia and then they've got Romeo Lavia and uh, Alexis McAllister and Saboslai Saboslai maybe um, everyone said last season Liverpool need a new midfield that is a new midfield and they've still got a really good attacking line. I think sort of, we probably didn't mention enough that like Jota was injured and, um, you know, you've got Jota and Luis Diaz and if Nunes comes good, uh, which, you know, a lot of underlying numbers would say that he, he would, that people would tell you about. And obviously Mohamed Salah, they've got this defence, they've got Trent Alexander-Arnold playing this new role. So um, I think there is a lot of, a lot of good competition. Arsenal will be seen as the closest because they finished runners-up last season and because they've spent more than anyone else, I think. Um, and I think Maybe so. Chelsea. I can't keep up with who no, Chelsea are buying. Um, net spend, we'll say. Um, and yeah, because they've basically said, look, we finished runner-up last season. We're going to make these key signings to to go on better this year and they've got a, a test to show that they can do it against City on Sunday. Mm, I think Liverpool are a weird one because their signings have been very good but I think losing Henderson and Fabinho could disrupt them a bit and I mean we've, we've seen Lavia he's a very good player but is he a Champions League player or a top four player? Not sure he is yet. Yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a, an interesting one. And yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, He's got Liverpool are going to be really interesting to watch, and either this midfield will completely revitalise the team, and also you you kind of need to talk about um, the other players in the team and the squad because what were they two games away from the quadruple yeah. the season before when City um, pipped them to the title? Like it's hard to go that distance, and also hard to recover from that distance. Whereas now the likes of Robertson, Van Dijk, you know. Van Dijk last year wasn't great, was he? Um, if they can raise the performance levels again, and you know Alexander Arnold was kind of revitalised for the last however many games, he was pretty average for um, for most of the season. So if those players can lift their games, then they will, as the cliche goes, feels like new signings. Um, and yeah, Liverpool can kind of having been the closest challenger to City for most of. Guardiola's time in, in England maybe they can get there again and we've not even spoken about Brighton and, and Newcastle who had very good seasons yeah. and seem to have strengthened so. and Chelsea yeah 
well, I, I think we've uh, got a running order for <laughs> next week's episode just before the uh, before the yes. season. Um, yes. Before we get onto just a prediction, there will be a full away end or a full City half at Wembley. A lot of City fans are also boycotting this Community Shield. It was originally scheduled for 5.30 on the Sunday. Fans were very unhappy about that. City weren't pleased either. It's got moved to 4pm on the Sunday. Still not great for a lot of fans. Um, a lot of people are boycotting. There's an event at Band on the Wall. Uh, fans have raised, what, nearly £10,000? Over £10,000, including gift aid for the food bank, which is fantastic. But they've also still sold out so it's going to be a bit, bit of a weird atmosphere isn't it where there'll be some fans who go to every game and want to go there'll be some fa- some fans who it might be the first time at Wembley but a lot of those fans who would never miss a game like this are saying do you know what we've been to Wembley enough we've, we're getting messed around with kickoff times and travel arrangements too much then we want to make a stand it's it felt like there was loads of momentum and then <laughs> City sold out albeit the majority of sales were not season ticket holders so that kind of points towards the fact that a lot of season ticket holders are staying away some would anyway just because they sort of see it as part of the summer and they prefer to save the money for trips of which there will be more this season like Athens and um, the Club World Cup and of course from next year I think there are more Champions League trips and uh, everything like that so yeah I think um, it is important, even though it's. A, I think hopefully everyone that goes has a great time yeah. and enjoys supporting the club in the Community Shield and seeing the first kind of competitive game for the the treble winners. But hopefully as well, also it's recognised that um, City fans are staying away and why they're staying away because I think the whole um, message from those fans like the 1894 group and City Food Bank group is that it's not a City issue, it's a whole issue that can affect any club. And we've already seen with some of the Premier League um, kickoff times that they, they're not looking out for support. So I think the FA statement, when they moved the kickoff, said, oh, after fully considering mm-hmm. uh, the fans, and you're like, why why didn't you fully yeah. consider them to start with? Um, and yeah, there was sort of, talk on social media of like Arsenal fans making banners to take to to mock the um, fans not going and you sort of think yeah it's not really something to be tribal on because ultimately like everyone will lose so hopefully it something is is made of it we'll, we'll certainly we'll certainly talk about it but um, yeah it's it, it will be an interesting day it's that issue isn't it of Yes, there are away games on Wednesday nights or like City starting the season on a Monday night. They've got the, they're playing Newcastle at home at eight o'clock on a Saturday where those away fans will have no way to get home by public transport. But this isn't just two or 3,000 fans. It's 30,000 yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah. And we saw for the FA Cup final when there were no trains, both teams coming from Manchester, the roads weren't fun at all. No, going down. no, no, no. But also if, if City fans had done this and if everyone's reaction who supports other teams is... Like, oh, yeah, you've got no fans anyway. Yeah, who cares? Then everyone who is involved in organising games will think, right, there's no issue. We crack on. We keep not thinking about the fans. Um, Whereas if this can sort of encourage other fan bases to to make a stand and in in their own way, then maybe maybe there's a bit of change. You know, it's kind of ever-diminishing returns for 
for fans, but you do get, um, you know, the, there have been some kind of th- like caps on away ticket prices and, and things like that. And just two things that City fans have done. They have said they were boycotting this Community Shield and the fixture got moved earlier. So there's more train options. They put a report together of all the trouble they had in Istanbul for the Champions League final and UEFA are now agreed to meet City about it. So you might think that you're fighting a losing game, but you can still make change with the things that you do. And like you said, the, the majority of support from other fans has actually been supportive, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it and it helps that, you know, they're donating um, money to Manchester Food Banks instead of, you know, the money that e- either... A, a gesture or the money that they would spend on a match ticket or whatever or the trip um, and I think the Blue Moon podcast also chucks in all the money that they got from charity bets last season so um, it, you know over £10,000 is going to people who really need it in Manchester yeah. rather than Wembley which is which is nice or the train companies yeah which, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 but we will be there. It's our job. We'll be there at Wembley for the Community Shield. Can I get a prediction from you for the Arsenal game? I'm going to say 3-1 City. I was going to say 2-1. I think, I think you, Well, you. you can say 2-1 then. <laughs> uh, so we think a narrowish City win. Yeah, I think Haaland might score a few. So yeah, we'll be at Wembley on Sunday and we'll be back next week to discuss the Community Shield whether City have won or lost and uh, look forward to the season ahead thanks for joining us you can uh, follow us on Facebook Twitter YouTube TikTok all the usual places Man City M-E-N and we'll be back next week Mm -hmm.